Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and then we're going to jump over to John chapter 11, and we're going to be talking there about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Praise God. Two, outstanding miracles of the Lord Jesus. But I've entitled this session today, Going Far Enough. Are we going far enough in the things of God? Are we going far enough in our knowledge and revelation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to answer that question today. But before we begin, let's pray. Father, we just look into you, look into the power of the Holy Spirit, look into him to give us wisdom and revelation concerning you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, we ask for the anointing both in the ministering of the word and in the receiving of the word today. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it, Father, in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Praise God. All right. We're going to look at the cleansing of the 10 lepers. This is found in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, we could say teacher, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go, show yourselves unto the priests And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Note, I want you to notice that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, came all the way back, fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, two things to me are interesting about this incident. Number one, these 10 were made up of Jews and Samaritans. And there may have been more than one Samaritan, but there's only a mention of one, and that was the one that returned to give glory to God. But I want you to notice also the obedience of following what Jesus said do. Notice, and as they went... They were cleansed. In other words, that if they hadn't obeyed Jesus, they would not have been cleansed. So their obedience to the command of Jesus enabled that healing to come upon them. And they were cleansed. Praise God. Amen. That's such a vital key in receiving from God is that we have to obey and do what the Lord Jesus says do. Amen. And, of course, obeying Jesus is obeying the word of God. You know, we have a covenant with him. And that covenant, amen, was made and made sure through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we have to look to the cross and what Jesus did on the cross. Our sins were hanged there with Jesus. Our poverty was placed upon him. Our sickness, our disease, our infirmities. Amen. Our poverty, spiritual death that was ours from birth was nailed to the cross. Amen. On Jesus. Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, when we say that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, we're talking about being justified fully and completely and now become inheritors of the kingdom of God. There's no poverty in the kingdom of God. There's no poverty. I mean, there there are people who are in the kingdom of God who know poverty, but there's no poverty in the kingdom. Amen. You can't find one mendicant friar begging for bread in heaven in the book of Revelation. You just can't find one. Amen. Everyone is blessed. See, that's where God's will is being done. You and I have a responsibility to make sure that the will of God that's in heaven is being done down here on earth. And the blessed and the best place to begin is with us. Amen. So if there's no poverty in heaven, then there shouldn't be any poverty in our life. If there's no sickness in heaven, then there shouldn't be any sickness in our life. And I know these are struggles. These are things that we have to contend for. And scripture teaches us and tells us to contend for them. And I know that there are conditions in our physical body that uh, would require a miracle in order for us to be healed. But uh, and many don't get their healing in this life, but they certainly do get healed in the life to come. But that doesn't mean that we just uh, lay back and just wait until we get to heaven to get all these things. We can have many of them now. We can have all of them now, as a matter of fact. Praise God. There's too many people that were born sick and diseased that were perfectly made well, perfectly healed, made whole, and enjoyed the rest of their life in divine health. And if God would do that for one individual, he can do it for every one of us. Amen. But we have to go far enough. And that's the title of this session today. And this is what the nine didn't do. They didn't go far enough. They didn't return to give God glory. And we assume that the nine were Jews. Well, we, we assume because of verse one that some of them, maybe all nine of them were Jews. But now the one who did was a Samaritan. He was outside of the covenants of Israel. Amen. But he did something that the nine should have done. He returned and he gave God the glory. And notice what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, arise, go that way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. This Samaritan went further than the nine. Now, this word made the whole comes from the Greek word sozo. Sozo, say sozo. And this Greek word sozo means to save. It means to heal. It means to deliver. It means to make sound. So he was made whole. In other words, not only was he cleansed and healed of leprosy. He was cleansed of sin. 
And I truly do believe that when this Samaritan came back, came back and knelt down with his face to the ground, right in front of Jesus, right at his feet, that what he was doing is he was giving God glory, but he was also acknowledging that Jesus is not only a great teacher, not only a master, but he is the Messiah, the one who is to come. Praise God. See, he went far enough. Now, let's look at the raising of Lazarus. John chapter 11, 1 through verse 44. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus the Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said this. Notice what Jesus says here. This sickness is not unto death. You've got to know something in the spirit to be able to say that. And it means something. A lot of us say things out of our head. But our heart is not connected to it. See, it takes the word of God being placed in in our heart. Amen. That rises up out of us. That's the anointing. Amen. If we just if we don't go far enough and get the word that's in our head down into our heart, we're not going to have a very strong anointing. Now, that doesn't mean that we might uh, succeed times, but at times. But it's important. We must get the word of God down on the inside of us. Well, how do we do that? Well, we read and not just read. We study and not just study. We meditate. The information that we get from reading and studying, we've got to get it down on the inside of us. That's when it becomes revelation. Amen. That's when it becomes powerful. Amen. Now, verse two, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold. He whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Notice how he said that is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, did you notice verse four? Did you notice that Jesus essentially in this verse is saying me and my father are one. I and my father are one. In other words, we are the same person. We are the same God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, many times we consider death as a finality, as an end of existence. How many times have we said, well, brother, I'm praying for your loss. Well, the person that died is not lost. He just gone to father's house. Amen. And one day there will be a great celebration. My mother has passed away. My wife's mother has passed away. But they were both born again Christians. So they're not lost. Now we miss them. Wish they were here with us in the flesh, but they're not any longer. But we know where they are. We know that they're in heaven. Amen. Now, I want you to notice something. This is something that... uh, Paul said about Abraham. Abraham knew God. 
See, that's the outstanding characteristic of Abraham. He knew God. Notice what the writer of Hebrews, Paul, says. While God was testing him, Abraham still trusted in God and his promises. And so he offered up his son Isaac and was ready to slay him on the altar of sacrifice. Yes, to slay even Isaac, through whom God had promised to give Abraham a whole nation of descendants. He believed, this is Abraham now, he believed that if Isaac died, God would raise him up, bring him back to life again. Amen. See, there was a depth in Abraham that many of us do not have. And when Jesus says that the son might be glorified thereby, what he was saying is that this is God's purpose. That you, my disciples, will know exactly who I am. Oh, glory to God. Oh, praise God. Amen. Well, you know what? The disciples, they didn't get it. They didn't. Just like many of us don't get it. It's because we don't go far enough. Verse five. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. He wasn't finished with his work. He didn't drop any everything and just go. No, he finished his work. Why? Because he knew that this sickness was not unto death. See, Jesus is on a completely different realm than you and I are. We think, well, we've got to rush to this person's side, you know, because they're getting ready to die. Jesus, that's not the way he was. Amen. He abode still two days in the same place where he was. His ministry was not done yet. Now, it is true that the Jews buried their dead within a 24 hour period after they had prepared the body for burial. And after four days, that body began to decompose. And we'll see this as we go along. Of course, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture, so uh, you should know what I'm talking about. Verse 7, Then after that, he says to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples said to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If a man walk in the day, he stumbles not because he sees the light of this world. Amen. See, uh, verse 10. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbles because there's no light in him. See, Jesus is following the will of the Father. He is he is in total and complete obedience to the Father's will. And while he was there, see, there was this supernatural light. He knew where he was. He knew where he was going. He was not afraid. Amen. He didn't he didn't, you know, opposition didn't scare him. He was walking in the light of his father's will and purpose. So no one could touch him. So the thought of, oh, you're going back to Judea. Well, they tried to stone you there. Why are you doing that? Jesus was not afraid. They knew they could not touch him until his time was ready. Amen. Praise God. See, there's a depth of understanding here. There's a depth of relationship here that often we miss. Verse 11, these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go 
that I may awake him out of sleep. See, Jesus is not calling Lazarus dead. He's just saying he's fallen asleep. I had a family member that went away from the Lord. And when my wife was praying about this individual, the Lord said, they're sleeping, but they will wake up, you see. So much of the time when it comes to the things of the spirit, we're sleeping. But we need to rise and do exactly like Paul said, arise thou that sleeps and Christ will give thee light. Amen. So the key to going far enough is revelation and then acting upon that revelation. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he'll do well. However, Jesus didn't was not speaking of his death, but they thought he was taking rest and sleep. Howbeit, let me read that again. I didn't read that correctly. Verse 13. Howbeit, Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. See, Jesus is speaking in terms that the disciples cannot pick up. Why? Because they're not going far enough or their understanding is limited. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Amen. Praise God. See, that's the limit of their understanding. And so we don't need to judge them or criticize the disciples. Amen. Because we're many, much of the time we're in the same situation. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now, Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem, about uh, 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning the brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Now, this is important. Then said Martha to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here in the body, in the flesh, my brother would not have died. But now I want you to notice verse 22. This is the most important verse that we want to bring out in this uh, entire event. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. Now, what's so important about this verse of Scripture? Well, number one, Martha did believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We'll see that as we go along. Let's just go ahead and read it. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am, I am, notice that, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believe thou this? Notice what she says. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world, period. She is not going far enough. She does not have the ability to go beyond and really fully understand what Jesus was saying to her. Notice again what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. 
He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. He's talking about the spirit realm. He's talking about everlasting life. Not only is he talking about Lazarus being dead, but also being alive. That's why Jesus said he's sleeping. He's not dead. He's sleeping. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So Martha, she just does not comprehend what Jesus said about himself. He's not. She does not comprehend. Amen. That not Jesus is talking about. Well, I'm going to raise your brother up. Because I don't need to ask God. Because all power has been given unto me as the son of God, as the second person of the Godhead. You see the point here? Martha was talking to Jesus and did not recognize him as God. She saw him as the son of God, as the Messiah, but she knew him only after the flesh. She didn't know him out of the spirit and she couldn't because she wasn't born again. Verse 28, and when she so said, she went away and called Mary's sister secretly, and the master is come and calls for you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying she goes unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, notice this, same thing that Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Now, why was Jesus weeping? Well, I think partly because he was somebody that these people just didn't recognize. That was part of it. Part of it was because of the love that he had for Martha and Mary and for Lazarus. But notice again at the very beginning of the story, why did this happen? Amen. What, what did Jesus say? Lazarus was not dead but asleep. And, he's, and this all happened because I going to be glorified in what I'm about to do. In other words, I'm going to show the disciples. I'm going to show Martha and Mary. Also met Lazarus and all those in company. I'm going to show them just exactly who I am. Amen. That I'm not just a man. I am God manifest in the flesh. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. And some of them could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? And Jesus, therefore, again, groaning within himself, comes to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Upon it, And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he has been dead four days. See, Martha still does not fully comprehend what Jesus is about to do. And Jesus said to her, said, I not unto you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Jesus saying truly that I am the father. And the father in me is one. We are one God. 
If the father raises the dead, I'm going to do the same thing because I am a father of one. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Amen. Didn't need to make a big, long prayer. This thing was already fixed in heaven. And I knew that you hear me always because the people which I stand said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus said to him, Loose him and let him go. A man dead for four days. His body was decomposing. No chance now for him to suddenly come back to life. It takes the power of God, a supernatural miracle that only God can do to bring this man back. Jesus, when he said, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. By the power of God, every cell... And Lazarus' body was automatically regenerated. Amen. That rotting flesh became new. And let's go ahead and let's finish this out. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and to see the things which he did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man does many miracles. If we let him alone, all men will believe on him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them named Caiaphas, being a high priest that same year, said, you know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation should not perish. This spake he of himself, but not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but that also he should gather together in one, the children of God that were scattered abroad. Amen. That's you and that's me. Then from that day forth, he took, they took counsel together how to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto a country near to the wilderness into a city called Ephraim and continued there with his disciples. And the Jews' Passover was not at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus, and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple, What think ye, will he come, not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him, that they might arrest him. And so Mary believed in Jesus as much as she was able. But she was not born again. So she can only believe according to the flesh. You see, and this is the issue today. Man's need of being born again. The Jews didn't understand who Jesus was. I mean, they saw in the scriptures that Jesus met all the qualifications, but they chose not to believe. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you know the Lord? Do you really know him? Or do we just know him after the flesh, but not after the spirit? If you're born again, you know him after the spirit. But if we don't completely, and I mean fully and completely, consecrate ourselves to follow Jesus, being born again, being filled with the spirit, to know him after the spirit and to obey his every word and command. We're not going far enough. Notice what Paul said, and I'm going to close with these two verses. 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed unto his death. Now, Philippians was written towards the end, just a few years before the end of Paul's life. But notice what he says near the beginning. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Talking about substitution and identification. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again, notice this, no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to, <laughs> according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. And then Jesus and then Paul says this. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things were passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. So are we going far enough? If we're not, then let's start right now. Let's consecrate ourselves, amen, to know him, the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height, to get the full dimension of Christ and do that in this lifetime, praise God. Oh, and how blessed we will be. Father, we bless you. We thank you today. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and honor and glory for your word, and we give you glory in the name of Jesus, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.